or in November. Okay. Yes. It changes. All right. We are live. Hello and welcome to this week's edition of The Time and Place, the gospel conversation show where we discuss faith on the fringes and do our best to apply God's word to God's world. I'm Solomon. This is Julian. And today we're going to be talking about evangelism. But first, Julian, what the heck is going on in the world today? Well, it is week two of election day. So we're all still hanging out to figure out what's going on. Still don't have a tentative president. <laughs> yeah. Oh my god. But hopefully this is I mean, man, it's getting weirder and weirder every every couple of days. I, I don't know. I mean, at this point, it's it's over, right? There's no chance. Well, that, pre- you, that Trump is going to be president. I I don't know because I, I I honestly don't know because every so CNN runs one map that basically everything is the way that you saw it was, but other sites are running other maps that are like actually none of these states have been called and this isn't ha- this hasn't happened and this is going to a recount and this got pulled back so. We don't even know if they recount or like even if they go to court or anything like that, like he's going to win like 10,000 votes. And right? no, no, they're like, talking. Okay, like, well, then I thought it was like it's still it's still too close. And then it's in some states it. it's like razor thin, like in Arizona, in Arizona, I think it's like super close to where it's like a 51 to 49 percent difference and it could swing either way. But in some it's like, well, there's glitches in the system that we're switching thousands of votes for no reason or Thousands, but thousands. not like, but not like hundreds of thousands. Right? But it's I mean, thousands in a county. So, like, if you factor that into how many counties there are in the state, now you're getting into hundreds of thousands or or, or more. I don't know. I, here's what I think is going to happen. I think it, it, he's going to. They're going to recount. It's, uh, he might win Georgia, but again, even if he wins Georgia uh, after the recount, it's still not enough. Like. It still doesn't matter. Like Pennsylvania is the, the one. If if he can pull off Pennsylvania, so he's gonna he, sue Pennsylvania or like whatever, and then they yeah. go to the Supreme Court. Even the Supreme, that's what I think is gonna happen. He's gonna go all the all the way to the Supreme Court, and they're gonna say yes, voter fraud. Congratulations, you win. Here's ten thousand votes, and it's like okay, now it's still. <laughs> I just don't think it's gonna be enough. I don't think they're gonna find enough backward votes to, to make know, it man. mad. I think they'll find reverse votes, but I don't well, think it'll be enough. It, it's not just that. The things that are coming forward, and it's hard to see if you're not, because I know you're off social media for one, yeah. but uh, even if you're on social media, like you're not I'm seeing so it. I'm so glad, dude. I, so like for the election, <laughs> I, got, I, got off a, I got off for the election night thinking like, hey, I see what everybody's saying, you know, on Twitter. And then it's just like nothing happened. And then it's like, and then I'm sucked into all the news and stuff and just like, well, the news is dead right now. The news has gone silent, and they're on radio silence because they don't know what's going on. But apparently, there's signed affidavits from uh, postal employees, pollsters, people who work yeah. at the counting bureaus, all talking about how we're willing to testify that there was massive voter fraud involved in this. Is that Project Veritas? No, no, no. This is actual like signed affidavit, like like legal, like well, you're, okay. like, you're again. Again, that's what that's what all the news is saying. Voter fraud, voter fraud, voter, there was voter fraud. I saw it. Okay, yes. For ten thousand votes, like, right? But okay. the, the the question is not was there voter fraud? Yes. The question is will it make a difference? I, that's what I don't, I don't think it will. Well, I think it gonna, it's going to go to court. I think they're going to find reverse votes, and it's going to be proven that there was voter fraud. But well, there's two problems with that. Like the 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 key factors because you're right. If it's like ten thousand votes, so what? You you lost anyway. Yeah. But 
if it's enough, then it's like, okay, maybe, maybe it's a massive number that we're not even considering. Maybe it's on a scale that we didn't consider. That's the, the question. Part, that's, a, that's the big thing. The other part was, was it all independent or was it coordinated? Was it just like a bunch of separate Democrats being like, man, you know, screw Trump. We're going to, we're going to pull this off for him. Or was it like a concerted effort from someone? Because then we're like talking huge conspiratorial crimes. I mean, I think it was. It's, 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 yeah, I think it was. I, I, I think it's it's not going to be enough to make a, dif a difference, but I think it was, people's minds were influenced definitely by social media and mainstream media just hate Trump so much. They literally stopping stories that were detrimental to Biden, like Hunter Biden, like uh, it, it, the Hunter Biden thing isn't even like big story. Okay. He's a, he's a deadbeat, you know, lose whatever crack it. Okay. Whatever. But the, the suppression of the story was the bigger than the story. Right. Yes. I, the suppression of the story made the story blow up. Right. And it's like, and, and that's the big thing is, is the suppression of the story. And it's just insane. I mean, because they, they, they pumped out all the Russian nonsense with zero evidence. All these things. Colin Trump, a Russian spy. And it's like, that didn't ding your, ha maybe, you know, hacking, <laughs> whatever, <laughs> bad information criteria or whatever. It's just nuts. So it's completely biased. It's, it's completely out in the open. Um, yeah. And if you think this is the last we've heard of Trump, you're crazy. Like he's going to be calling. Trump is, oh. is Trump is transitioning I, I, into his favorite spot, which is complaining about the man. Right. He for four years. He was the man. <laughs> and so, but still complaining about something. I don't know what. But now he's. Uh, called like Donnie from Queens calling in. <laughs> you know what? The president <laughs> of Mar you know, that's that's his favorite spot. That's his favorite place to be is oh, the man. armchair quarterback. He was the quarterback for four years, and <laughs> he was just, still couldn't shut well, up. Now he's like, I'm just gonna complain. If I was president, if I was, you know, and he's gonna be able to just say it the whole time. That's his favorite spot to be in. So <laughs> I do. Well, here's, here's the question. If he loses this one, if they just call it out, do you think he'll run again in four years? Uh, yeah, I could see it, but I, honestly, I don't think he wanted it this, this time around. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, and, and it, it, it's, it's funny. Like, oh, okay. You, you know, you, you see his tweets, you see his attitude and his, everything he does. It's like, okay, this dude doesn't want to be president, but maybe he does. I don't know, whatever. But then you read like his, uh, philosophy on like sales and stuff which is a big part of it is you have to be willing to walk away with nothing like mm -hmm. you like he, like pretty much don't ever take a, a negotiation where you're not willing to, to walk away because that means you have no power and you're dependent on them and you'll just give away everything and whatever so i think that's how he approached the presidency like i can walk away any freaking second i don't want i don't care about that you know what i mean but then he won and it's like oh dang <laughs> i can't walk away and I won. yeah <laughs> You know, and but people like that attitude of just like take it or leave it. I'm, this is me. This is what I have to offer, whatever. And they gave it to him, and I think he was not expecting that, was not preparing <laughs> for that. And then he got it, and then scrambled to figure. I don't think anybody else was figuring out. And, and the whole thing with the media, you saw it in 2016 with the, with Hillary's emails and stuff. There was no suppression of that. They, they let that go. They told that they let those stories out because I think they thought. Donald, haha, ha, Trump was not gonna. 
when there's, there's no, no chance. He had no chance anyway, right? It, it, it was it was owed, the president was owed to Hillary, and so she's just going to take it and make history, the first one, whatever. And Trump is Trump is a clown. So they let this email start. Well, now now they're like they were like no nothing, no laptops, no emails. No, we're not letting anything through this time. We will just actively suppress it because we cannot take any chances again or whatever. And it seemed to work. The voting, the mail-in voting, you know, it was all. Who who didn't think that was going to be a mess? You know, a mail-in voting postmarked and all these things. Like well, we I knew mean, that was going to be a mess. Anyone who's ever used the post office knows the post office is horrible. Yeah. I don't know why we thought that would be a good idea. Our, our, our elections depending on the 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 effectiveness of, of basically the DMV. This <laughs> <laughs> right? is mad at this point. I think he runs again for four years. My advice is to uh, drop Pence and pick up Kanye as his running mate. <laughs> and that's the path to the White House. Guaranteed. Uh, I think he'll uh, – what's going to be funny is to see him still mouthing off exactly the same. He's still going to have Twitter. And people and people are going to take him the, – the media loves Trump. He saved the mainstream media. Oh, yeah, definitely. He saved their right, – they were tanking. Yep. Fox, CNN, they were all tanking until it was like the cash cow of Trump. It was like, oh, my gosh, he's giving us gold every day on Twitter that we can just talk about. And he's the president, so it matters. So let's let's talk about it all, all day and night. But now uh, they're still going to – I mean, no one wants to cover Biden. Like it's just a corpse. So like is he still dead? Yeah, okay, great. You know, so <laughs> – they're, they're gonna they're gonna still track Trump because Trump's gonna still be talking his crap and they're still gonna oh, yeah. track it as if it mattered. He's not the president anymore. Why are why are you talking about what Trump is so, from the sideline? Like who the cares? story I saw the story I saw was that he's talking about starting up his own news agency now. Really, this, this doesn't go his way because Fox News kind of turned on him. So he's talking about yeah, doing his own. He's gonna Turner it and start his own news agency. <laughs> Uh, <laughs> and then in a couple of years it's the running man so man that's, that'd be nuts i mean i think i think the i was listening to <laughs> i've been listening to the uh megan kelly podcast which is pretty good she's kind of turning into a female rogan um which is more polished and produced and stuff but she's got like a lot of cool people on um she had matt taibbi on and um He's a really good writer. He, I really like him a lot. Uh, he's a journalist, and uh, I would say center left, maybe lean more left on a lot more mm -hmm. things than I would like. But good writer, just like the his quality of his writing. I remember reading him. He covered the financial crisis uh, in '08 and stuff. And I remember kind of picking him up because reading magazines and Rolling Stone. He he, he was uh, a writer for Rolling Stone and kind of covered all the uh, mm -hmm. financial crisis and and all that and. Uh, and I read it because he, he, the way he wrote about it was very, I don't know anything back then of, of any, I still kind of don't like, but the way he wrote about it was very clear to okay. just the average reader. Like what's a subprime mortgage? Like what's, you know, all these things. So and, and he's just a good writer. That's why I really like this guy. He's a good writer. Like, you know, I just kind of remembered his name and stuff, yeah. but he's got like an independent thing going on called uh Substack. Okay. I don't know if that's like his website or if it's like, kind of an RSS thing because um, it, the only way to get to get it is like through email. So you can okay. like subscribe and it goes to your email and you read his stories and stuff. So, okay. So I don't know if that's only his thing or 
or what. But I think you're going to see more of that. Like Daily Wire is doing their own, like they're amping up their website to do news and podcasts. And like they're even getting getting it, get into like entertainment stuff. I don't know what that means, but yeah, Candace Owens is joining them. Yeah, so yeah, that ought to be a fun <laughs> I could show uh, but yeah I think that's the future is online stuff and independent websites and, and media and stuff and even uh, print media like going out there and subscribing and magazines and independent magazines independent newspapers and websites and stuff rather than like even just getting away from Twitter and yeah. uh, social media and stuff but yeah um, should be interesting but I think, yeah, it's the death of so of mainstream media and CNN and, and all those, um, unless they just keep following Trump because he's irrelevant and so whatever. I mean, it's going to be the death of that, but like kind of the death of – I don't want to say the death of social media, but the landscape is going to change. It's getting weird already with all the, you know, what's it called, Parler and MeWe and all of these other upstart – that yeah, you hear about like weird, like I don't even know what those are, but it's like I don't even, I don't need, I don't want more, you know, like. <laughs> well, it's gonna be like it, it's gonna be like Netflix, Hulu, Disney Plus. Like, which one do you have? I'm not getting all of them. You you pick your one and you stick with it. Yeah, it's so, it's hard because like Facebook is the internet now, right? Like that's that's what's hard. That's, like people don't go to websites. People go to their no, Twitter. Absolutely. People go to your, right. your 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 Instagram. People go to, if you're a company. You know, no one's going to Nike.com, right? If you, if, like, you someone, if you tell someone, did you see the video of blah, they don't ask, oh, where was it? They just go to YouTube. Like, right. YouTube is where you watch videos. That's just what it is. But I don't know, man. We'll, we'll see Vimeo. what happens. <laughs> Vimeo's going to take over. <laughs> oh, I don't, young upstart Vimeo. <laughs> Absurd. Yeah. yeah, I don't know, man. It's going to be nuts. I, yeah, I, I hope so, because I think that's how – uh, it's going to be more biased, more open of just like, like Daily Wire. Like I, th- I think Daily Wire is, uh, oh God, mom. <laughs> I haven't even heard of that. What is that? It's That's like Facebook, but like not censored, I guess. Oh, jeez. See, that's the yeah, problem too. I, I don't, I don't want to get on and watch beheadings and stuff, you know? Like, <laughs> if they want, that's the problem. If they want to be taken seriously, they're going to have to have some kind of standards. But, but and that's the thing. Just tell us what they are. Don't just make them up whenever oh, it's a video like. or a news story comes out that you don't like. Just like it, it's, that, it's, it's that vague thing, you know, because there should be. I think there should be parameters of like uh, death threats, uh, pornography, like actual right. racist violence, gore, you know, anything like that should be. There should be parameters against that. I think that's, right. that's pretty reasonable and everybody's for that. But when it gets to like news stories and the political and cultural things, there needs to be clear rules, right? Of, yeah. of what it is. Cause it's, it's left open-ended. It's, it's like, right. you but know, if it violates the per, you know policies of what is it like uh, violence or uh, whatever, hate speech, harassment, uh, targeting. harassment, targeting, doxing, whatever, uh, or any other, re- you know, and it's like, okay, well then right. what is that? That could just be anything you want. You know, like this whole hacking information was obtained by hacking. It's like, well, you don't know that. And so it's like this guilty until proven innocent instead of just like, we're going to fact right. check this, but leave it up. It's like, no, take it down. And then we're going to fact check it. And then, you know, well, post I, had to like delete it and then repost it. And the same news, you know, <laughs> it's so insane. But I mean, you're asking yeah. for, 
you're asking for definable parameters from people who don't believe in in definable truths. So right. like, of course, it's moving all over the place. That's their worldview is moving the goalposts. Yeah, and there's just a lot of things that they probably didn't think would be, even be a problem of like the president saying right. something to to ingest <laughs> ingest sunlight. And, you know, <laughs> like, what does he do with that? <laughs> It's like we're prepared for that, like. <laughs> but they want to be this like platform or a publisher, right? But it's, right. you know, uh, do you hear about Norway about the the hate speech laws and stuff in Norway that are coming oh. down? Oh. They've passed something as part of their like hate speech and stuff. And uh, if you say something derogatory or hate speechy against transgenderism. In a private conversation, you can be put in jail, fine, or put in jail for a year. If you say it in a public place, you can be put in jail for three years. That's nuts. Like, if you're in your home quoting Leviticus and <laughs> someone reports, like, what? That's nuts. That's full. And, That's 1984. Like, no one's, no one's willing yeah. to tell the anyone because everyone might be a snitch. Yeah, and that's the thing. Like, if you have a private conversation, well, that that implies that someone is telling on you, right. that they're reporting you, and like, what's a group? Three people, you know? It's like, okay, well, now it's public, you know. <laughs> so that's insane. That's insane, dude. Like, it's so crazy. Ugh. Well, well, the whole yeah. reason we've had this month's, you know, theme kind of is to have the opposite of that, right? So uh, the kingdom of darkness obviously is making their push right now, full court press, humanism, secular thought. We're talking about, okay, what is the kingdom response to that? How should the kingdom of God be building? The first step I thought, and we had some discussion about where it fits into it all, is evangelism. So of evangelism, I think, is is part number one to building the kingdom of God. Uh, the building person the kingdom... Right. But, <laughs> hey, I was, I was trying to do this in a hurry before we got on. <laughs> no, see, no one's going to see that in the audio version. Oh. <laughs> not going to edit that out. You just made it work for me. Bolding the kingdom. Yeah. <laughs> but, uh, you know, the first step is they have to know about the kingdom, which we have to announce the kingdom, proclaim the kingdom. So evangelism, I think, is step one in all of this. The, the problem is, what does that look like? What is evangelism, practically speaking? Right. Um, yeah. So, uh, yeah. So like just growing up, you know, we both grew up, grew up in church. So evangelism was always like invite someone to church or right. some kind of like outreach thing. Um, tracks. We talked about those like chick tracks and stuff yes. like is trick is chick tracks evangelism in 2020. Probably. Not. I think hate speech. But... I'll get you in jail for <laughs> some trick, some chick tracks. Uh, yeah. Um, evangelism. I mean, it's sharing the gospel with people, with lost people, right? It's Christians sharing the gospel um, with, with other people, um, the good news of Jesus Christ. And yeah. And so it is literally like the good news. I, I think what comes from historically is like, um, probably something different, but like, I think, I think gospel actually is the word gospel, the good news was more, mostly used in the context of like a, uh, a army winning a battle or winning a war and then someone running back and telling the right. place. Yeah. <laughs> yes. Literally scaring the hell out of you. Um, 
and uh and, and, and going back and talk the good news hey we won because the, right. the whole army is going to take time to get back to you know the triumphal procession back into the city and stuff but like you send one real fast dude back and he's going to tell her, hey we won hey right. we, they won the battle hey they surrendered hey whatever so that was the gospel that was the good news that they're bringing back and that's the good news that we can share about the resurrection of christ is that hey we won hey it's over hey uh death and sin are are done and uh there's freedom and redemption and salvation from sin right. and so that's the good news but that also so like in that context of a, a battle being a, an army being out at battle and and conquering that was the bad news right we're at war right and so our the army's out and they're fighting I, we don't know if they'll come back and there's an enemy trying to conquer us or armies defending them on the battlefield, whatever. That's the bad news. So the bad news, there's no good news without the bad news. And I think that's like core to evangelism right. and sharing the gospel is, and something that gets missed a lot in Christian conversations and mm -hmm. engaging the culture and talking about Christ and church and stuff is the idea of the bad news. The, the good news is only good because of the bad news. The bad news is sin and death, right? And so that's, right. we are born condemned, right, biblically. So that's the bad news. I'm a sinner. And there's nothing I can do to stop that, to, to erase my sin, to save myself, right? That's the bad news. The good news, there's, there's a savior. And there is forgiveness and there is grace through Christ. And so that's the good news because the bad news is really bad, right? And so, <laughs> and it's only, it's only good news if the bad news is there. If there's no bad news. No one's a sinner. Nobody's right. basically good. Well, then it's just news. Some guy, you know, wants to be your friend. Mm. And <laughs> I was like, okay, no, I'm a sinner in need of a savior. I cannot save myself. Mm. I'm, I'm dead in spirit. My, I can only act according to the flesh and i know we hope to be regenerated is through christ and that's happened and that's that's available and so that's the good news but it's only good because of the bad news and i think the bad news gets skipped a lot of times when we're having these evangelical conversations uh the gospel conversations it's just man this music at this church is really great or oh, i feel so i feel so good and it's all like these like kind of good vibes mm -hmm. you know right. positivity and positive encouraging k-love you know <laughs> like that's not the gospel you know it's nice but you can get that from oprah right you know? well and i mean so that's, it's not. <laughs> that's something i was thinking of when we were talking about this today especially that our our gospel is not the only gospel right if it's just going to be generic good news there's plenty of gospels mm. especially in the, in the election season right and that's that's one thing that i think is kind of lost too is that the gospel is kind of inherently a political message right during during the first century it was caesar is lord or jesus is lord which one is it right mm -hmm. now it's the same thing it's like well uh when i was talking to we did a video earlier with uh one of my pastors talking about the idea of evangelism and i don't think it got into the video but he mentioned how you know for one sector of america the fall was liberals taking over government and the good news is trump is here to make america great again and for another sector of America, the fall is Trump being elected to presidency. And the good news is we can vote him out and Biden will save us. So and we just have a completely different gospel. That's no, everybody is a sinner and Jesus is here to save us all. Uh, right. Well, save us all, all the elect. Uh, so that's the gospel message that we have as opposed to any, either of the other two. So I think that's important to not lose is that there's a ton of gospels. Like we don't have the only one. We just have the only true one yeah so 
Right, because because of the bad news, right? Right. That, uh, that uh, bad news is not Trump being elected. Like, there's so much things worse. Like, if, if anybody's looking at that as like, uh, like Biden's win or Trump's win, or oh, now we're not going to be socialist. Now our country isn't going to go like this. Mm. That's not bad news, right? I mean, it's not great, but it's like you're, you're, the bad news is that I'm condemned to hell. That's bad news. I'm a sinner and I cannot save myself. That is bad news. It's like the the world is going to turn back into uh, a fascist, you know, or communist or whatever, and there's nothing you can do about it, and that's just guaranteed to happen. That's bad news, but that's Mm -hmm. not the case in these political conversations we're talking about as far as bad news. So it's not really bad news. I'm condemned to hell for eternity. That is bad news. That is like the worst news, and that's contrasted by the best news, like that there's a way that there's a way to eternal life and that Christ died for us. So that's, yeah. There's that. That's a really good point too. Yeah. Cause we did talk about his uh, comment here from church wave uh, who will be joining us again during Christmas time. So keep up with us. Cause we're going to have some stuff going on for that. Nice. But uh, atmosphere in many contemporary churches is influenced by the shopping mall or other spaces of consumption. Thus the gospel is treated as a commodity to be sold to the consumer. Mm. But, and it's because I've been to churches where they have coffee bars and you can you know, pick up your pastry and sit at the table that they have set up on the balcony. So you can hear the sermon while you get your breakfast. But it, it's, it's so true. It's like, well, how do I pitch this to you? How do I get you to buy what I'm selling? Right. And, uh, you know, in, in church, when we were looking at the gospels, especially in Luke and Matthew, when John the Baptist went out proclaiming the, the gospel of the kingdom, it was like you said, it was the announcement that the king has won and he's coming. And that mm. was off the, when John preached about it, he talked about how he was going to raise valleys and level mountains. He's mm-hmm. using military language. That's that's talking about armies marching through the Romans, le- literally leveling mountains to march through. So he's, yeah. he's saying the king on his way. That was the proclamation. It wasn't, hey, would you like to try Jesus? Yeah. Well, yeah, that's so, how that's how it gets presented is like a lifestyle choice or something yes it's like veganism or crossfit or something it's like <laughs> yeah you right. know hey try you know i'm gonna get into this and let add this to what's kind of revolving around you all right, right. And, and that and that and that's a big identity thing too of how it's presented and it it it, it it's weird because people like i said different gospels right, right. and different identities and our, we, we, all people should be finding their identity in Christ, but mm. when we don't, we find it, we find our identity in our sexual orientation right. or in our politics or in our race or in our whatever. So we put ourselves in these little boxes. And so then it becomes, well, you're not you, you're white, you right. know, you're not you, you're gay, you're not, you know, and so it's like, we're, we're all in these kind of little boxes and I'm and, and taking on an, an identity. And that's exactly what we should be doing. Only with Christ, right. only with Christ, not Christ as one of those identities we can have, but that's the only true identity we should find ourselves in and really try to identify with. So we criticize other people, not because of what they're doing, but because of what they're doing it with, right. their sexual orientation, their race, their culture, their their country, their politics, their whatever, and even their religion or their spiritualism or something right their mysticism and their spiritualism but if but if we don't identify with christ or or do our best to just like i'm not me i'm a christian so it's not like here's solomon uh you know father husband employee uh whatever you know christian reader 
like to run, you know, like that's the, all these things are kind of revolving around me and that's what makes up me and Christianity gets added to that. Right. Right. And you so know, in the church and all that stuff. You're describing the social media header. Like that's your, your Twitter banner or your, your Facebook, like, well, tell us about yourself. Well, uh, I'm, yeah. a father, I'm a reader. I like to do this. Like, that's exactly what you're describing. And mm-hmm. our culture is obsessed with that. Tell yeah. me about who you are. Yeah. And we start checking off those things. That's, that's a really good point. Yeah. I remember like you said the show the middle. Yes. Uh, yeah. <laughs> sitcom where the dad, he's like this old school dude. And he like finds himself having to apply for a job. And, uh, <laughs> he hasn't applied for a job in like 20 years. Right. He's, he's like, works construction. You, you know, he's in a job interview. And they're like, how would you define yourself? He's like, I wouldn't. <laughs> <laughs> and like, well, how, you know, if you had, what would you say? But he's like, uh, tall. <laughs> <laughs> so, yeah, we do. We like those Enneagram kids. Like, well, what? I'm yes. a seven and I'm a, encourager and you know and we have different versions of that we yeah have the official like anagram kind of strength finders thing which you know has, has value and has you know there's there's things to right self-assessment know how you're wired and stuff but um we really just find our identity in those kinds of things yes. right especially I mean, you see it a lot in high school right it's yeah. like oh i'm a skater kid or i'm a <laughs> theater kid or i'm a right. whatever you know you find your little group and then that's your you just cling to that and, and we have a need for that but again it Finding your identity is not wrong. It's what you're finding your identity in, and that should only be Christ. Right. And so it's like it's like worshiping is not wrong. We're, we're made to worship, but worship what? And we're always going to be worshiping something. Right. So then it's like, well, just that has to be Christ. That has to be God. So the thing about like the enneagram too and the personality types is it's funny because it can tell you what it looks like to me from the little bit that I've seen is like it tells you what kind of a jerk you are. <laughs> you're you're a type four it means you uh you don't work well with groups it's like oh so i don't like to work with people you're telling me my flaws essentially <laughs> but like what's the solution to that situation well the solution yeah. well the solution- oh, you're a you're a five you can only work with groups it's like oh i'm dependent yeah. on people you know. exactly. <laughs> <laughs> like, well what are my strengths because it sounds like you're only telling me my weaknesses here. <laughs> yeah i know that's kind of weird uh, the things are I, and, and i i think we're more back and ping-ponging around those things, you know. It's not like, well, you're an encourager. It's like, well, not always. Right. I mean, some, yeah, maybe most of the time, but, you know, I can be really discouraging too or like, you're this, you're that. And it's like, okay. And then we, we, we try to think of those things in, in, the, in the situation. It's like, well, I'm an encourager. So, uh, or I don't know. It, it's just so like, ugh, I don't know. I, I don't know why they just like, it makes my skin crawl and stuff. It's like, uh, you're, uh, what, what is it called? <laughs> I've, I've heard people say this. You're uh, uh, accomplisher or whatever it is. I can't remember. It's like, you're accomplisher showing or you're, uh, it's like, oh my God. Because <laughs> I said I'd do the job or I said, you know, like I, I raised my hand to volunteer. So I was like, oh, you're whatever. You know, it's like, okay, whatever. I don't know. Just being human. Because <laughs> I did the required thing. Yeah. Um, that what you said about uh, uh, influencing and like try Jesus kind of thing. Um, that is true, and that really is uh, I think how Christians approach evangelism is kind of a well. It worked for me. It could work for you. Mm-hmm. You know, I found CrossFit and it really changed my life, and it, I'm so much 
you know, I feel so much better now since I right. found this thing. And that's really how it gets put across is like, Hey, just, you know, this worked for me. I think it could work for you, you know, but everybody's different. And it's, it's just like a roundabout way to say you do you I'm doing me and maybe you could do you and we could, you know, what's cool for you is cool for, you know, whatever. Um, try it out. Maybe not. Maybe this will work for you. Maybe it won't. You know, maybe you'll like Satanism or maybe you'll like Buddhism or like, <laughs> okay, that's, that's not evangelism. Um, I'm, so I was reading this book. Uh, it's a really good book. The Unbelievable Gospel by Jonathan Dodson. Um, and in it, he, he talks about the difference between evangelism. Uh, he says evangelism is not proselytizing. So, uh, so he says, a, a preachy witness is a form of proselytizing, which is quite different from the biblical definition of evangelism, the announcement of God's good news. Mm. And uh, it says, proselytizers put his, put his faith in rational arguments or social networks. It points them to a faith in a false God. It teaches people to trust in believing the right things and joining the right church. Mm. Right? Uh, so this guy Harvey Cox says, we can believe something to be true without it making much difference to us, but we place our faith only in something that is vital for the way we live. When we proselytize, we assume we have both the power and responsibility to talk people into the kingdom of God. We sideline the Holy Spirit in the search of conversions. Instead of making Jesus the focus of the gospel, recruiting recruiters zoom in on other things. So it is that recruiter, huh. let me just sign you up, you know, kind right. of thing. Like, well, that, you know, that's not, that's a numbers, you know, which, okay, yes. there's a place for counting heads. But, um, you know, that's, that's the main, seems to be made, main, main motivation in proselytizing is just mm -hmm. kind of like, I got to meet my quota for the month. Right. You know, and, you know, I, we were talking about that, too, when, when my pastor and kind of in our small group this, this week, we were talking about how church has kind of adopted a business strategy where it is that yeah. we need numbers. We need figures. Corporate, uh, yeah. Yes. We have a, a head, our corporate head, the lead pastor. He's going to assign tasks. You're all going to have your delegation, your department that you're in charge of, be it youth or hospitality or whatever it may be. And we need to see results. We need numbers. We need attendance. So make it happen. And that's yeah. how you get, you know youth pizza night or uh men's ufc whatever like yeah because we need numbers we need people showing up that's how i that's how i know i'm doing a good job right yeah which i mean there's there's something to you know outreach and in living yeah. life with people and doing kind of those yeah. normal things there is that but yeah, yeah if it is that kind of corporate um outreach growth i don't know what you got proselytizing of just kind of we need more decisions on marketing more <laughs> right yeah marketing and it's really hard because i think we we do have that mindset of like we can kind of see that tangible you know yes. we can't we can't always see exactly how the holy spirit's working in someone when we're exactly. telling them sharing the gospel talking about jesus praying yes. for them we can't see like how a heart's softening, how a mind is is opening and stuff but you know we can see they came six times this right you know this week, this month or whatever to, to all the different things we're doing. They came to every, you know, whatever it's like, boom, 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 boom. You know, that's a, that's a win. They're here. They're serving. They're volunteering They're Uh, they came and did this, they filled out a, you know, and it's like, uh, again, fine. Those are good things. There's nothing wrong, necessarily wrong with those. But if that's the, if that's the, uh, what success looks like, um, <laughs> no one ever came, no one ever came to Christ without fog machines and flamethrowers. <laughs> During worship, <laughs> church wave. 
<laughs> I know, right? Yeah. I it's mean, like that meme where you seen the one where it's uh, where Peter's preaching. It's like the old painting, and he's like, uh, now, if you could all just sit still, John, would you take the keys for me, please? Thomas, I think I see a hand in the back. Can you call him like that whole <laughs> that evangelism idea? <laughs> they didn't do things Head the down, way we I do. I yeah. <laughs> and if you feel the spirit, just raise your hand while nobody's looking. I like, see you. Oh, man. I see you. I see you. One there. more. Can we get somebody over here? One more. I see you. <laughs> Head down, eyes closed. Nobody looking around. You don't you don't want anybody to know you're a Christian. Right. That's the weird part. Cause like isn't are we supposed to not be ashamed before men? I don't understand this idea. Don't worry. Don't worry. No one's gonna know you made a decision for Christ. Yeah. So I want to hone in on this comment because it's interesting because this is one of the big focuses of the video that we shot. If you guys haven't seen it, it's on our YouTube page. It's also on the Facebook page. And the title was Evangelism, Start Where You Are. So one of the things that we, we honed on in this comment here is, isn't that called witnessing? So there's this division, I think, of witnessing and evangelism. And I think the, the distinction seems to, to me anyway, seems to be church work and uh, laity work. Right. Not lady, not lady work. Laity. <laughs> Layman. Layman. Yeah. yeah. Layman. Well, I'm being gender neutral. The I'm lady. I'm saying lady work. <laughs> <laughs> so we have this division. Lady work would be thrown in jail. Yeah. That's true. <laughs> <laughs> we have this uh, this division of this is church work and this is everyday life, right? And the preacher is the one who's the evangelist, right? The, the person on the outreach team, the person who knocks on doors and talks to people for the church or drives the church van, they're the, they're the evangelist. What we do is different. It's witnessing, right? We do life together. We invite people to church so they can hear the gospel. And what we, you know, what we really touched on is the idea that we're not inviting people to church to hear the gospel, especially now, because ain't nobody going to your church now. Like that whole idea of inviting oh, the to church is dead. That's not happening. It's a super spreader. Right. So, <laughs> so instead, you know, we're supposed to bring the gospel. The command was to go and make disciples, not bring everybody back to Jerusalem. Uh, one of the, the verses we honed in on, let me pull this up here real quick, was in Acts uh, 17, 26 and 27. So it's one of the one of the things Paul says when he's at the Areopagus. And he says, and, and he made for from one man, every nation of mankind to live on all the face of the earth having determined allotted periods and boundaries of their dwelling place that they should seek God and perhaps feel their way toward him and find him. Yet he is actually not far from each one of us. So that idea that God placed us where we are with the intention of finding him. Right. And uh, in some ways we're thinking of the passive sense of like, well, the people who would search for him, but also uh, the people who would, speak of him to those who maybe you're searching for him, right? So he has you at work or he has you at school or he has you at this neighborhood with the intention of you spreading the gospel to all of those people that are around you. All right. Um, yeah, I like what uh, your pastor said about, like, if you, you want to raise 3000 bucks for a foreign mission trip, you know, don't, like, save that and put, like, invest that into your city and neighborhood and, you know, as I said, if you're raising three thousand dollars for a foreign mission trip, and you don't know your neighbor's name, right? There's a there's a disconnect there, and that's that's super true. And, yeah. But you know, but and I was thinking, you know, most people raise that money, and uh, instead of just spending, if you're spending yourself, it's a little easier. But if someone's, it's, it might be harder to raise that money. Uh, to not go anywhere. To, to invest. 
to invest in your neighborhood or your city. It's like, man, those those donors really want a souvenir from Africa. Yeah. <laughs> well, I dude, it's the corporate structure again. I'm gonna I get a picture of you with head. some brown kids on your back, and you know, <laughs> that's how I know it changed your life too. Oh, oh yeah, you're gonna write this on your college resume. Yeah. <laughs> It's that corporate mentality. We need a return on our investment. Uh, I'm, I'm giving you this. I expect to see results back from it. There better be an orphanage painted and a well <laughs> dug in some foreign country. <laughs> well, part of that, I think me and you talked about this before, too, way back. I don't know if you remember this conversation. But uh, we were talking about how the new legalism is the how radical you and your mission work. Right. Like it used to be like that. That was the standard of how Christian you were is like, well, do you drink? Do you smoke? Do you dance? But then it became, you know, our generation growing up was like, how many mission trips have you been on? You know, how many how many places can you cross off? How many orphanages have you been to? That was the new that was your results. That was your proof that you were a Christian. Mm-hmm. And meanwhile, the evidence America's falling apart like right here. We're seeing it happen. Yeah. It's <sighs> it's just wild. It, I mean, you know, when you're talking about that, it, um, it is. All right. Many mission trips are just vacations that allow you to feel good about yourself. It's guilt-free traveling like soda without the sugar. Yeah. Yeah, that's true. I mean, yeah, it's like, oh, man, I really want to wonder what Australia is like. Right. Hmm. <laughs> Got a mission trip coming up to Australia. You know? <laughs> so, well, okay. There you go. Oh, man. Um, it's like Adam Sandler only makes movies now in places he wants to just go vacate so he can <laughs> take all his friends and make money and like make a movie in Hawaii or in Africa or wherever. <laughs> so people view it. Um, it, it. Dotson says in this book, he's talking about how like those evangelical moments. Mm-hmm. Um, and he's talking about the difference between like performance and like an actual just like sharing the gospel, the good news of Christ out of like an obligation. Mm-hmm. And like how we talk about like, well, how holy are you? Well, how Christian are you? Right. It's like, oh, okay. Well, how many how many mission trip badges do you have on your sash? You know, and it's like, we're out of just love of like, I have to tell this person. Like this person, yes. I see the you know, uh, you're saying uh, when our evangelism is motivated by approval, moments of evangelist evangelistic opportunity devolve into something like this. If I don't do this, I'm going to regret it. That's performance. Mm-hmm. Instead of thinking, I can see this person needs the hope of the gospel, and I can't wait to extend it. That's love. Mm. So, yeah. So there is a – and that's a hard thing because it's like we've all felt that, of like, well, the, the conversation's kind of steering towards spiritual things. Their grandma just died or something. And like, oh, okay. Uh, wow, he's talking about heaven. Oh, he's talking about hmm, – okay, yeah, okay. Uh, and you, those wheels start spinning, you know, as the conversation gets there, and it's like, I have to say something. I it's just I just want to shrug and say I don't know and you know whatever. But it's like well, I have to say something and throw a Bible verse at them, whatever. Or it's you know rather than like really hearing what they're they're saying. And that was another thing too. He was talking about how like uh, he, he was talking about um, he was on this campus crusade for Christ, Dotson, when he was okay. younger, and they were like on this beach reach thing, and they had a pocket full of tracks, and they were supposed to just go out and see people playing volleyball and have fun on the beach and like accost them and. <laughs> and, and hand them a track and tell them about Jesus and stuff. So he was like, this is awkward. You know, this is right. like, it's so difficult, you know, especially for like an introvert or something. So he was going, I guess they started playing volleyball with some other friends and other people. And uh, they got to talking. They all kind of went on, like kind of walking around the beach and stuff together. And, um, 
and then the conversation kind of got there and he was saying that um he says uh i kept the track in my back pocket and just tried to relate christ to what this guy was facing in life mm. so the guy started talking to him and stuff and um yeah he said remarkably he said he was interested in knowing jesus and being rescued from his sins he prayed we prayed with him and as he repented and put his faith in Jesus, we encouraged him to get connected with the church and never saw him again. My buddy turned to me and said, man, I didn't know you could do that. You didn't even use the four spiritual laws, which was our little trick. <laughs> <laughs> so I, respond, I responded by saying, if we had whipped out that track, he would, we would have lost that guy's attention right away. Yes. You know, uh, <laughs> that, yeah. It says, listening to people's stories, we can discern how to best share the gospel with them in a natural, relatable way. Mm. We don't have to fit in, in an evangelistic mold. And that's so true about like, we, we, we try, we try to have like these cookie cutter track things where it's like, you just, you have you seen the hand, you've done the hand one where it's like Christ came down. No. And, <laughs> and then it's like, it's like this weird, like thing, palm reading thing you do. It's like, uh, or like the beads, you know, the, the red and, black yeah. and white beads so it was like this and it's like okay yeah for like the the john 316 doesn't change like that you know right that's right but how that's applied to people's personal lives and mm. is is going to be different you know or it's going to be a different story so and, and a lot of that comes from knowing people so just yeah. knowing people instead of just like seeing them as a project and that's what he says too in this book about like people don't really that actually keeps us from wanting to share the gospel because then people are projects and then i'm just like i've got my you know friend file and they're just like there and i'm working on him have you heard of like oh man i'm i'm working on him yeah he's you know i'm working on him say well you're not you're not you know you're sharing jesus with them that's great but you're not working holy spirit's working on him you know <laughs> and you'd be praying towards right. that and that's good but that was i mean yeah, <laughs> yeah that's talking, what he talking to carl we were, like my pastor i okay, found it we can't bring it up too uh sorry no i'm sorry she says we're we're slow to bring up the gospel with neighbors acquaintances, and the coworkers because we don't want people to feel like spiritual projects that's mm. that's i just want to say that part but I mean, that's 100 true. Right? <laughs> yeah, but it's like you shouldn't be doing that. Like people right. shouldn't be proud. You should just like know them and know Christ and introduce them. Like, <laughs> yeah, I mean, uh, talking to Carl, that he was talking about how uh, what what we don't like to do is put ourselves in a spot where the Holy Spirit has to intervene or work in some way, right? Mm -hmm. Those awkward positions where we're not prepared and we hope God shows up because if, mm -hmm. if we're, we're going to look real stupid because we don't yeah. have. We don't have a step plan. We don't have a, a, a five step to get you here. We don't have a, you know, and yeah. we, we don't like that. We like to go in knowing we have a plan. We have a way to do this. We have a strategy and we have a way out. Yeah. But, you know that, I mean, that's not the, the, if you look at acts and you look at the epistles, it was often not that way. It was, they were there and they got thrown into conflict with whatever was going on. Right. You know, right. Paul wasn't intending to be followed around by a girl with a, a, a serpent spirit that was making omens, but she was following him around. That was a conflict he got thrown into. Uh, you know, that was just, that was the, the way that it happened. And the Holy spirit, I'm sure at Pentecost, they weren't thinking, man, I hope we get the gift of tongues and we get to preach to people from all over the, the <laughs> Roman empire right now. But that's what happened because the Holy right. spirit moved in that situation. And we, again, business strategy, 
What's our way in? What's our long-term goal? How many people are we talking? Did you send that email? Did you text that guy? Have you heard back from him? Because we need to know what, what kind of progress is going on. Yeah. Yeah. It, it, yeah. It's hard because it's like we, we don't want to – if we were taking a test in school and study, know the answers, going over everything, and it's like, oh, by the way, there's going to be like 10 questions where that like we haven't gone over. And, you know, and it's like – well, I don't want to take that test. <laughs> like <that's>, you know, <laughs> you know what I mean. So it's like, well, okay, well, I'm I'm not gonna take that test because I don't know what's gonna I don't know what's gonna happen. But yeah, we want these like zero dollar budgets where it's like everything's accounted for and everything. It's like, mm, no, you're gonna leave room for the gospel to move because it is what you have to, and that's because it's not you doing this anyway. You know, God is using you, but um, yeah, this isn't your project that you're that you're going through. And this is a good a good counterpoint that I do want to uh, kind of give some. We're, we're not we're not saying tracks are bad. Don't ever use a track, right? <laughs> you know, like uh, my friend is saying here that Chandler, Matt Chandler said that he would use them in, in his early conversion because he didn't really know how to speak to people, and that you know it's a tool, and that's true. Yeah. But I think we don't see it as a tool. We see it as like a safety net or a methodology, right. and that's where the problem is. Right. Yeah. Tracks. I mean. <laughs> Don't stop sharing tracks. I'm not. I'm not gonna say like, oh, you know, that's just a waste of time and it's unbiblical or uncritical. Like, no, no, that you know that God can work can use that. I think we we think God only uses that. Like, this has been researched and market research, and these questions are here and these illustrations are are what work. And this is the the method. This is the mold, right. and this is the thing. It's like, well, right. that, that's a mold. It's a way to do it, but. Uh, that's not the only way to, to do it. And yeah, you do whip out a track. Like we have a, a real personal conversation like that and you whip out a track it, it, that that can only feel like, oh, was any of this real? You know what I mean? Like right. were you talk, like you were talking to me, it was all a sales pitch and now you pulled out the contract and like, want me to right. talk exactly. about, you know, it's like, oh, that's slimy, you know? <laughs> you know, rather than like, okay, no, we're on a different mode here. We're on a different right. uh, uh, method here of just having a conversation with somebody. So both would could work. It's just, I'm not saying one over the other. As I just think people would think of evangelism. They just think tracks. They just think door to door. They just think those things. Mm-hmm. And not say that those don't work, but they're not the only way. And it's not, evangelism isn't this like strict, strictly cookie cutter kind of thing right mm. but, right yeah. so this this comment uh again we're gonna build off of this because it's telling uh about how we see things a little bit but uh so is church only for christians to be trained and equipped and then go out and evangelize so I, if know, it is we're failing miserably i've always <laughs> I don't think churches well, yeah, are one we are and training <laughs> anything. <Yeah. laughs> I wish they were that. But that. I mean, the, the the first uh, corporate worship on Sunday is for the body, right? Like primarily, that's the 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 goal. The focus is for the body to get together and worship corporately, right? For us to be trained and equipped. Yeah, I would say so. The the outreach work should be our everyday life. Right. Like, I mean, your first is a little bit switching topic, but a little bit, but your your first evangelism uh, outpost is your family. Like yeah. that's where that's where it starts. And then from there, it bleeds out into 
you know, if your kids are in school to the other parents and whatever job you have to your coworkers, wherever you shop to whoever's there. Mm-hmm. But yeah, it's, it's evangelism is just an outgrowth of the Christian life. This, this idea that uh, the, the phrase in my past years that I really liked was ministers of reconciliation. Mm. Each one of us is that like, it's not, well, I wasn't trained for this. Well, no, you were called to it. This is, this is, you know, if you're, if you are indwelt by the Holy Spirit, you have a responsibility to go out and proclaim the gospel. Yeah. Um, I read this book too. Uh, it's called The Unsaved Christian, <laughs> Reaching Cultural Christianity with the Gospel. And I think that's what a lot of our churches are filled with yes. um, is cultural Christians who mm-hmm. think we're, they're saved. And, and that's another thing, too, as, as we're sharing the gospel and as we're just t- telling people about Jesus and stuff, is that there's no, there's no one further than anyone else from yes. Christ. You're either lost or you're not. You're either child or you're not uh, of God. So some cannibal in some foreign country <laughs> or something is no, is no further gone from Christ, further out of God's reach than a... 60 year old churchgoer who's yes. just kind of been going through the motions culturally their whole life. Like those people are just as lost uh, as uh, I mean, like, I mean, they are lost. I didn't mean to do that, but like, there's no, you know, they're farther away than, than right, this picture. Right. Like they're just as lost as, as, as the other, <laughs> there was this really cool part in here where he said, I was trying to find it. I didn't get to flag this, this one before we started, but this really cool part where he was talking about like getting out of seminary and going to uh, one guy was going to um, like Portland or New York or something uh, to start a church. And he was going to like Alabama Mm. and, uh, and he was kind of like, okay, you know, (laughs) that's kind of safe. And he's telling his friend who was going to New York and he's like, whoa, he's like, you're going to, man, that's going to be tough hmm. <laughs> in Alabama or whatever it was. And he's like, huh? He's like, what? You know, he's like, the people I'm going to start a church, they know they're not Christians. They're saying they're not Christian. We're going to have those conversations. He's like, the people you're going to see, they think they're Christians. <laughs> so that's hard. That's difficult. Hmm. Like some of the, that's, that's the most difficult people to share the gospel with is people think they're Christians already. You know, because they're going to know a lot of the things you're saying and but just not at a heart level and right. actually, you know, in a saving way. Mm. Uh, you know, that's that kind of goes back to the, the verse in James where it talks about, you know, you say that God is one, but that's good. Even the demons believe that and they tremble at that. Like there's a lot of people who intellectually understand the truth that there is a God and there is sin and there is death and whatever, but they don't internalize that in any way it doesn't change anything about their heart it doesn't bring them to life like there's there's a difference between knowing the truth and responding to the truth or acting on the truth or living in the truth really yeah um so the the church the church being so my mom's question about like is so is the church for christians yes like that's like the church is the body that that literally is christians right uh but i think non-christians or unbelievers should be there can be there but we're going to talk about Jesus like that's in that, you know, we're going to talk about Jesus and we're going to talk about you like that lost people. Like, so if that's, you know, that's what church should be. And so church and, and there should be some uncomfortableness in there. You know, I remember uh, actually Matt Taibbi, I think it was Matt Taibbi 
Uh, we were talking. Uh, we didn't talk about that on 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 air, do we? Um, did we talk about him, the journalist? Yeah, we did. The Substack guy. Yeah, the, you did. No, you're right. Yeah. I, um, yeah, we did. Yeah. Really good Rolling Stone. Yeah. He had an article, I think, in Rolling Stone where he came to Cornerstone and was like, I'm going to check out this mega church and, like, oh. you know, see what it's about, you know. <laughs> and I think it was him. Uh, but he, he said, it was so weird. I felt like I was at a Tony Robbins conference. Like, <laughs> where was the Jesus? Where was the christian spiritual praying religious stuff that was all like positive uh you know raw you can do it and fight and mm. your strength and you know he's like what is, is you know he, he was and it was weird because like i'm coming here expecting to be weirded out by some church stuff mm. right and it's almost like a disappointment when they don't see people praying and right. seeing jesus and taking this stuff seriously you know, it's expected, I think, right. when, when someone who isn't like an active unbeliever comes to a church, it's like, I'm going to hear some church stuff. But then they hear all this like positive, encouraging Caleb stuff. It's like, well, where's the, I, I could have got this from Tony Robbins. I could have got this from, you know, yoga. I could have got this from like a thousand other places, you know. <laughs> Which, I mean, that really makes you wonder too, how many people in the church have never heard the church stuff, right? If yeah. you're just doing the positive, encouraging stuff every week, how much have you never heard about sin and repentance and death and the need for the rebirth? Right. Well, a lot of people have something that's working for them, you know, and uh, it's like, okay, well, I, that's great. I'm glad that works for you, but I kind of have my thing, you know, my vegetarianism or my be, you know, whatever it is. And that works for me. That makes me feel great, you know, and whatever. Yeah. And so it's like, but yeah, and that, that's something too that a lot of people have never heard and rejected the true gospel. Mm. Like, and that they've 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 heard and rejected the Ned Flanders gospel, yes. right? The the churchianity, the moral majority stuff. Uh, that's not the gospel. And I think as Christians, when we think about sharing Christ, we think we they've heard it. I was like, well, they know they're they live in Texas, they live in America, right. you know, they've they know the Jesus thing, and they're just choosing to reject it. Like I don't think so. I don't. I think a lot of people have not heard the actual true biblical gospel right. of bad news and good news. They've heard it as this, like, either I'm holier than thou kind of thing and, you know, screw you, or uh, this works for me, it might work for you, lifestyle change, you know. But either way, it's not the gospel. And right. so a lot of people, and it's weird, like, I listen to, like, non-Christian podcasts and books and things, and I hear people hear them talking about it, like, oh, you know, if whatever, like, the, some amusement park in the sky, or if I'm good enough, I can make it to heaven, okay, whatever, it's like, that's not the God they haven't heard, you know, and it's right. like, whoa, that's what they really think it is. And it's like, huh, that's interesting because that's not what it is at all. I, I disagree with you with that. Right. Yeah. The one I always related that to was uh, prayer. Like we always hear about prayer. It's like, oh, well, you're, you're sky daddy who grants your wishes. Like, that's <laughs> not what prayer is. That's not the point of prayer in any way. Nothing in the Bible is about getting what you want by having prayer. Like that's not yeah. what I remember yeah, yeah. talking about this guy, yeah, about prayer. He's like, oh, you know, they, they ran studies where people were praying for sick people and people weren't praying for other sick people and they didn't get better and whatever. And it's like, okay, your your premise is flawed. That's not what, right. you know, I, I don't know where you're getting this the thing of prayer or what you think it is of like a, a Christmas list of, of things you can wish for, magic genie you right. can ask and he'll grant you the wish if you just pray hard enough, whatever. Like, And there is so much of that. And then they're making total assessments on all Christianity based on those 
false premises in, in, you know, false starts of that. And I think part of that too, the difficulty is uh, the reason they haven't heard the true gospel or understand the real, the reality of Christianity and what it is and what prayer is and what repentance is and what it looks like to live a Christian life is because we don't. So mm. when, you know, when they see people who are from church, like you said, church is a part of our identity, but it's not the main focus. I'm just like you just also, I go to church. Mm, so, yeah. you know, we, we don't internalize and live the true gospel out. So they don't know what it is either. Yeah. There's, um, just, there's yeah. such a disconnect between what we, what we say we believe and what we actually believe. And I, you know, for me, this, this month has been really weird for me in that sense with just a, a lot of different people that I see with either be it the election or their personal lives or, or my personal life or what they think of what's going on with me just to see like, Oh, okay. You, you, you say you believe in a God that redeems, but you don't actually believe in a God that redeems, right? Like you believe in a God that redeems as long as it doesn't mean you being uncomfortable or as long as it doesn't mean you doing work on something, or as long as it doesn't mean that you don't get what you want, then we don't believe it. Then it's, then something must be wrong. If God's not giving me everything I want, if I'm not happy in this situation, yeah. something must be wrong. It's the god of self-esteem. Yes. That, that self-esteem booster. Yeah. Um, we're going to talk about like the kind of cultural Christianity thing. It's a really good part in this um, unbelievable gospel book. It says, um, it's got some Texas. It says, uh, many Texas youth, many, many Texas youths, when they hear the word repent, associate it with things like stop listening to secular music, stop sleeping, <laughs> stop sleeping with a girlfriend and start going to church. This mm -hmm. kind of repentance does not involve turning away from trusting in yourself to trust the savior it is simply a switch in lifestyles secular to christian mm. mere mere moral reform has little to do with the true repentance and faith in jesus you can alter your behavior without altering your savior yes people adopt the trappings of faith the religious habits attempts at moral living even the new christianized culture that entails wearing a purity ring and listening to christian music but this cultural repentance is not a true turning to christ it is turning to christianity to a religious subculture. Yeah. You can alter your behavior without altering your savior. And that's what it comes. It, it, it again, like the point is Jesus. Yes. Not even Christianity. You can mm -hmm. come to Christianity without coming to Christ. Right. You're this subculture. I put on a purity ring and I, you know, stop, I throw away all my rated R movies and <laughs> now, you know, but all you've done is change a lifestyle. Switch. Yes. You've not you not put your faith in Jesus Christ. That's the difference. That's the it, it it all hinges on Christ, on everything, including coming to Christianity. <laughs> you gotta make you make sure you're coming to Christ. Right. Mm, man. How many people have we sold that to though? The moralism and not coming to Christ. You know? How, How easy it is to throw away all your CDs. Yeah. <laughs> you know what I mean? Like that, that, sure. I feel, you know, and I feel great when I do it. So it must be doing something. Right. I stop cussing. Oh, I, you know, clean living. Yeah. Mm -hmm. But again, like Keith Richards did that with, you know what I mean? <laughs> stop drinking and stop, you know, like it's like, that's not Christianity. Like that, that's what we sell it at because that I think is easier yes. to do. It's easier just to change my behavior than it is to like actually repent and only and say christ is it that's mm -hmm. all it's it all i'm a sinner in need of a savior i confess yeah. my sins and repent i'm wrong it's, it's harder to say that like eh, i'll do better 
I'll stop cussing and I'll stop, you know, doing this and that, whatever. And I, in, in a, and then I'll feel great. Well, it's not about feeling great. It's about coming to Christ and having him be your savior. We, you know, a couple of months ago, we were going through Colossians and there's a whole section where it talks about that is why do you hold to these earthly ideas of do not taste, do not touch, do not listen. Uh, they may appear to have a form of godliness, but in reality, they're, they're just uh, human precepts, right? So it's that idea that if I can, if I can moral myself, then, then I'll be acceptable to God, right? God will look at me and say, he'll say, well, you didn't cuss, you didn't drink, you didn't smoke, you're good to go. Right. right. But the reality is like, OK, you didn't curse. You didn't smoke. You didn't drink. You also didn't love God with all your heart, soul, mind and strength. Mm. You also didn't love your neighbors yourself. So you haven't got to the sin at the root of the issue. Yeah, it's man. It's and I think, you know, in, in, in my personal life with other guys that I talk to, we have the same kind of issue. We're talking about our struggles and there's that temptation to always turn back to like, why aren't I over this yet? Or why hasn't my own personal effort? made me able to get past this thing yet and it's that same thing we're not relying on christ to get us through this thing not us to pull ourselves over with our own moralism or strength or whatever you know this program that i signed up for should be working covenant eyes should be taking care of my lust issue but it's not so like why is it not well because christ is the answer not your not your password blocker or whatever it is yeah, you, you know the password to colonize, right? Like, right, exactly. Right. <laughs> if someone does, you can just get around it. Uh, yeah, well, there's a will, there's a way. And right, there's a exactly. yeah. right, and that's why Christianity is a changing of the will. Yeah, and not, right? yeah, it's like, well, I've changed my lifestyle. What's, right. you know, why is not, why isn't this happening? You know, yeah. Uh, I did want to get to uh, something that Lewis said, um, where he said, more than, more than responsibility, evangelism is the natural yes. response to being in love with Jesus, right? I that's that's it. That that's right. It's not a, if we're questioning, man, sh should I tell this person about Jesus or should I not? Whatever. It's like okay, there's some heart issues there as far as your commitment to Christ and your uh, yes. zeal for Christ. If it's a question, right? And so it should just mm -hmm. be like pouring out of you, you know. Right. Like I don't question whether or not I tell somebody about this great uh, comic I read or something, or like a great movie I saw. It's just like, it was awesome. I need to tell somebody, but um, like, there's no like, should I tell them whatever? It just kind of happens. Like, if you know me, you know, I like comics and that's just whatever. Um, so like that, it, that does remind me of Acts four. Um, and when they're the Pharisees and stuff are talking about talking to uh, Peter and John yes. and, um, it says, but being the man uh, who was healed standing beside them, they had nothing to say in opposition. Um, well, so it's more like four, in 420. Uh, it says, but Peter and John answered them, whether it is right in the sight of God to listen to you rather than to God, you must judge. For we cannot but speak of what we have seen and heard. Mm. And when they heard further, they, they had further threatened them, they let them go, finding no, no way to punish them. So it is that, but I love that, uh, you know, for, uh, for we cannot speak, but speak of what we have seen and heard. Like whether this is you want you say what we're doing is right or wrong, that's for you to judge. But we're just gonna say it. Like this right. is just kind of coming out of us, and we can't help but see speak about what we've seen and heard. Like we saw it and we heard it and we know it, and this is just gonna be coming out of us. So <laughs> you you know do with it you know <laughs> what you will. Yeah, I just love that. Of like we, we cannot help but speak about what we have seen and heard.
And that's like the approach, that heart approach of like that zeal, like it's just gonna, if you know me, you're gonna know Christ. Like that's just part of me, you know. That's a, Hopefully, that should be a prayer. Second Corinthians also has that same kind of idea when it says, uh, where is it here? Uh, For we are the aroma of Christ to God among those who are being saved and among those who are perishing. To one, the fragrance from death to death, to the other fragrance from life to life. So it's that idea of like, we're the aroma of Christ. Like it, it just, it bleeds off of you. It's unavoidable. It's inescapable. But part of that too, is that idea of, you know, what have you committed your life to? Is, have you committed your life to soft moralism, uh, to asceticism, or have you committed your life to Jesus mm-hmm. and the kingdom of God? Yeah. And, and that's, you know, and, and also that like of, of it just kind of coming out of you, uh, you know, a, a favorite apologetics verse is first peter three fifteen. Right. but in your hearts honor christ the lord as holy always being prepared to make a defense to anyone who asks for you a reason for the hope that is in you yet do it with gentleness and respect um giving an answer prepared to make a defense to anyone who asks you for a reason for the hope that is with, that is in you that assumes they see a hope within you mm. so it's like they're, they're asking because they saw something right, right in you and you, they're like, what is this? And you be prepared to give an answer, uh, to give a defense to anyone who asks uh, for a hope that is within you. So, and I, nothing makes me more ha- happier when someone just like, hey, I, I, I got a question about church. Uh, I'm like, yes, <laughs> it's like, because I didn't, I'm not bothering that, you know. What I mean, I'm, I'm not. I feel like I'm like shoving it down the throats or something. So they come to me of like, hey, you go to church, right? Hey, you know what? What, what is this about? I, I saw this on this movie or something, and what? What you know? It's like oh, I love that, or you know, just any sort of questions right. about anything or about you know whatever. Because then it's like I, I can just. You're, I'm not bothering you. You're coming to me, and that's awesome. I love right. it. I'm like that's. I want that. But that I, I want them to know that I'm someone they can come to. You know what I mean? And right. so that's just my life and how I treat people and how I do things. And so like, that's, that should just kind of be radiating out with that, you know, from us and yeah, they'll see that hope within us and then come asking, hopefully that's, that's the best I love when that happens. <laughs> <laughs> but I mean, that gets back to the idea of knowing your neighbors and knowing your coworkers, like for them to know you, you have to know them. Uh-huh. And, you know, there's this idea of, of, kind of isolated living, right? Like, well, I don't want to get into my personal life. I don't want to talk about this kind of stuff at work. Or even, you know, I don't want to I don't want to shove religion down their throat or whatever. But it's like, you know, when someone's choking, you don't think, well, I don't want to force the food out of their mouth. That's you know, that's not my place to say whether or not they should be choking or not. Yeah, the bus is coming. I was like, well, right. you shouldn't pu- you shouldn't push people. Right. It's I, like, it's not my job. The bus is coming. Like what? <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Yeah. I think, and I think uh, a lot of times too. In, in, Ken in, in, was the one who said, "You know, mm, yeah." No, oh, we got a lag. I think you cut off a Friday. <laughs> no, I'm sorry. Yeah, uh, we're gonna go later. Go ahead. Pen, you know, Pendulette is like a. He's a staunch atheist, and you know, he's the one who said before, if if you believe in God, if you believe in Christianity, if you believe that there's eternal hell, and you don't tell everybody about it, you must hate them. Like, how hateful are you? to believe that somebody's going to hell and decide that you shouldn't tell them there's a way out of it. Yeah. Let's come from an atheist. Right. Like he gets it and you like, <laughs> yeah, that, that, yeah, that, that's a, that's a rough one. Um, that, that's what, uh, I, 
uh, Louis C.K. had a had a bit kind of similar to that, where it's talking about abortion protesters and like people getting so mad at them, and like how mm. you know how could they stand out there and with signs and they're like they're, they're insane, all oh, they're crazy. It's like they think you're killing babies, <laughs> right? Like, like and he he got it. Like right. they they believe this. Like if that and that's really true, which is true. That's what we believe. That's what the truth is. So it's like. What do you what do you think they should do? <laughs> what do you think they're gonna do? <laughs> so he like really gets that of like yeah no they really believe this that just means yeah, yeah I, I, I mean again that's the that's the whole thing like do we really believe it? Do we actually believe? Yeah. It? And, and that- people see that when they don't see you doing that when they see they don't see you taking it seriously that's right. a reflection on your sincerity and belief in what you're talking about all these things. It's like, okay, yeah, when he goes to church and stuff, but yeah, I've seen him do this, or I've heard him say this, or, you know, it's like, that is, it's not just a, 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 a view of hypocrisy. It's a view of how you see it, um, how people see you and how seriously or not seriously you take it. What was right. it? Um, the guy's name. I forget, I forget his name. Uh, the guy from the DC Talk song. Um, uh, Brennan Manning. Brandon Manning, the late Brandon Manning. Um, yeah, he was with with uh, DC talking that famous, uh, well, at least in Christian music circles, famous <laughs> uh, phrase where he says that the greatest single cause of atheism in the world today is Christians who acknowledge Jesus with their lips and walk out the door and deny him by their lifestyles. That is what an unbelieving world simply finds unbelievable, and it's true. Like that's like we should be living. Uh, Christ following lives and people should see that kindness and compassion and love for people. And, and, and that doesn't, and I know that doesn't mean don't cuss. That doesn't mean don't drink. That doesn't mean, you know what I mean? All like the right. stereotypical Mrs. Grundy kind of things. Yeah. It's like treat people well, be just, be fair, be compassionate, be loving. And in how you interact with people, are you a jerk? Are you cutting people down? Are you gossiping behind people's back? Like those are, are, are like unchristian things that yes. the that is denying Jesus by your lifestyle, mm-hmm. those things. So, yeah, what if I stop? <laughs> <laughs> exactly, right? I mean, it's hard because yeah, it's like, but that's exactly it. Is like people are watching and they and they're not stupid. People mm-hmm. see that and think, well, how 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 much could that affect my life if it's not really affecting his? Yes, you know, and and that that goes further than you think. And that doesn't mean the the apocryphal quote of I think it's Saint Fran or uh, Saint Francis of Assisi, uh, always be sharing the gospel and sometimes, if necessary, use words. Right. So, right. So, which means like be acting like it, which is right. true. But like, no, you need to be using words. You need right. to be sharing the gospel. You know, <laughs> faith comes by hearing. All right. Mm-hmm. So tell people you're supposed to be telling people. Yes. Also, live as Christ-like as you can. Yes. Uh, right. Totally. But tell them be explicit about it and and don't and don't i think that's the problem too is like well i don't want to sound cheesy or i don't want to sound weird if i say i can't say the word jesus without sounding cheesy or cheese <laughs> or weird or you know whatever it's like but again it that you have to embrace that cheese right <laughs> you have to embrace that like you're gonna sound weird and mm-hmm. and that's okay like because it's not like it's only weird from their godless worldview Yes. Right? That sounds weird to me. Mm. They're talking about 
finding fulfillment in their veganism. Like that, that's <laughs> weird to me. That's dumb. But it's just a clash of worldviews there, and you're it's okay. Like that's that's where those that's where the Holy Spirit is working in those awkward, weird kind of like I know you're not getting what I'm saying, but I'm saying it, and it's you know, and I think we try to water it down, and that's where we fall into those uh, lifestyle, try Jesus kind of things, because that sounds better than like, Oh, this is the only truth that exists. Well, I sound intolerant. Oh, I sound whatever. And it's like, you can speak the truth in love, but speak truth, you know? Um, and I think truth is compromised a lot when we're trying to be seeker sensitive or culturally, culturally relevant. That's the, uh, I mean, there's two verses and two separate epistles. One, where is it, you know, the, the word of God is foolishness to those who are perishing, but to us right. who are being saved, it's the very word of life. And the other one is, you know, when he talks about the Jews demand a sign and the Greeks demand wisdom, but we preach Christ crucified, a stumbling block to the Jews and foolishness to the Greeks. Like Paul got that concept right. deep in his soul. He understood like, look, there are people who no matter how, how articulate or how great you come across with this, they're going to reject it because it's stupid to them and you're going to be stupid to them. That's okay. That's not the point. And, you know, like you were saying, they found fulfillment or truth or whatever in their veganism. Every other gospel in the world, every adherent to them has embraced it full wholesale. There, there's no one who's a partial pro-choice proponent. There's no one who's a, pro, a partial LGBTQ rights proponent, right? For some reasons, we're the only ones who are like, well, we believe it, but we don't want to be like weird. We don't want to be fanatical about it. Right. Yeah. I mean, yeah, but that's what it is. You, you, you got to set that aside and just be explicit with it. Right. And like, Hey, this is, I, I'm, I'm, I'm just saying it like, this is, there's no other way to say it. You know, right. sin, sin exists and we're, we're falling. And that's, you know, this, this is all this stuff is real. I take, I believe it. Mm-hmm. And <laughs> yeah. So this, this is kind of a curveball. It's not off topic, but it's, it's related to the topic. And I'm kind of curious where you fall in. I, I just thought of this when we were talking about it. So when we talk about how um, your lifestyle should reflect the, the idea that you belong to Christ, we're not saying something radical. That's a biblical concept, right? They'll know you by your fruit. Oh, people will know you're my disciples by your love for me. The, you know, the fruit of the spirit is you know, peace, joy, gentleness, all of those things. That's a biblical concept. Why is it that we're afraid to question someone's Christianity uh, if we don't see those things, right? Like if anything, it should be a loving concern like, hey – I know you're saying you believe this, but the evidence is not stacking up. I'm concerned that maybe you don't really believe this. Why, why are we afraid to talk like that to people? Yeah. I mean, because it's intolerant. Cause it's like, well, how dare you, you assess my, uh, it, it's that accountability versus judgment mm. kind of thing. I was like, well, we're, I, I've heard you speak. We, I, know, I know you say, believe we believe these things, but, what you're doing here that doesn't line up with scripture that's that's a sin that this is you know it's kind of those accountability things and it's going to be that person's heart of just receiving that rebuke uh well or in rebellion you know and just kind of doubling down and like well no i mean that's not you know whatever um and it, it's, it's tough too like in, in the modern american church because i've had a situation where um someone who i've had got was at church with had conversations with brought their Bible to community. Like, you know, and it was like, and then I see them saying things online and in a private conversation, like, Hey, well, I think it was a private, but uh, <laughs> like, Hey, what, you know, what does this mean? Like, what, what are you saying? Right. And then they're, they're kind of going full 
bore on on some wild godless kind of worldview thing. I'm like, what are you talking about? It's like you. It's like me rebuking you. Right. You know, on Facebook, like, what are you saying? And then you're saying some insane thing. And it's like, you know, going back and forth. And it's like, okay, well, I I, I thought, you know, this isn't right. Like, but it, it's different when you're rebuking someone who's not a Christian hmm. and kind of acknowledges that they're, that they're over here on with Christ or whatever, uh, rather with someone who's professed Christ and a biblical Christianity rebuking that person. I think there's a different, especially with your relationship with them, they're going to receive that differently than someone who thinks they're a Christian because they're born in Texas. Mm -hmm. And how dare you question my personal relationship with my higher power? You know, (laughs) it's like, okay, I can't even tell you where you're wrong about that. (laughs) Start, Yeah. Um, But it's hard because it is that like unsaved Christian thing of like, well, you're not saved because you love the Hallmark channel, like <laughs> in Joel Osteen, right? You know that, right? But, you know, but I think a lot of people don't know that. So he's come out kind of questioning them. This is their whole, again, they find their identity in that Christianese religion thing. And so your, your question, that's their God, this mm-hmm. cultural American dream Christianity. And you're questioning that. Well, you're questioning their God. Well, that's why they're getting mad. Right, because anytime you question or rebuke someone's idol or God, that's their worship, that's their identity. Well, right. yeah, you're going to get some pushback on that. But <laughs> but if you're both following Scripture and the God of Scripture, then you can point to the Scripture and say, "Hey, this thing we both say we believe. Here's why that's wrong. What you're saying, what you're doing is wrong. What you're saying is wrong, according to this thing we both say we believe and can right. And do, right." It's not like, well, according to my version or according to my opinion or my whatever, it's like, okay, that's going to get some pushback. But if you mm-hmm. point to something that they say they believe, the problem is those people probably haven't said they believe true biblical Christianity. Mm-hmm. And that's a real dividing line. When, with, when like, if you want to divvy up cultural Christianity and make a, a stark contrast between that, say you believe the Bible is 100% true. Right. That'll weird those the Christians out. <laughs> you know? Huh? Oh, no. I mean, well, right. you know, I mean – well, it's old. I mean, come on. Today, you know, it's like, nope, there's the dividing line. This is really, we're not together on this. <laughs> yeah, that's, you know, the irony of that. That's that's the first temptation, right? Has God really said, mm. is, is this really true? Is this mm. really true today? Yeah. It, it doesn't change. It's just, it's amazing how it, it does not Serpent change. Serpent in the garden. Yeah. Did God say Right. Now, yeah, it's the same little questioning. We talked about that in community group recently. Like, it's always those little. It's never like try heroin and heroin and worship Satan. You know, it's <laughs> you know what I mean. It's not. Right. It's it's not. Um, it's always like, well, you know, what does what does this mean? Mm. What is that? Uh, is this translation and the Hebrew, right. you know, and it's like, okay, yeah, that makes sense. Okay, so you know, it's always that little slip in kind of right. gradual drift rather than just like start cut off. You know, I think that's easier to contend with. It's like, okay, one, well, yeah, you're talking crazy, but it's like, hmm, that doesn't sound so crazy. Oh yeah, what does that mean? You know, those things kind of creep in. It's always and a toe. You know, right it's, in it's interesting that in Colossians, I think it is too, that Paul talks about how he wishes that they wouldn't be led away by plausible arguments that's what's interesting Mm. he's like the arguments you're going to hear are plausible they make sense to a degree and i hope that you're not led away by them because they're still not the truth Mm. so i I think it is that stark we talked about a little bit on the the 
uh, scaring the hell out of you episode where, you yeah. know, we like to think of evil as like dark and, and, and brooding. And of course we'd avoid it if we saw it, but it's not, it's just a hair off. It's mm-hmm. just slightly not in line. Yes. Yeah. I know. It's like people point, you used to point to like, ACDC and Black right. Sabbath as I like, look at they're corrupting our youth, you know, <laughs> but they're saying nothing about the, these godless public schools and right. different <laughs> political, cultural ideologies creeping mm-hmm. in, you know, those, those just slipped right through the back door right. while everybody's looking at Black Sabbath and ACDC and Hell's Bells and all those right. things. Like that's the start. It's the, it's old um, Lord of the Rings quote where uh, they're questioning Aragorn when they first meet him, you know, of like, should we trust this guy, Strider? Who you know, he's all dirty and ranger guy, you know, but he's going to help us. And he says, um, "I think an agent of the enemy would uh, look fairer and feel fouler." Mm. You know, he this guy's looks foul but feels fair. Mm. You know, but I think an agent of the enemy would look fair and feel fouler. Mm. You know, and you know, saw him on the white. You know, and like right. he's that you know, kind of thing. Right? Yeah. Yeah, it, it looks more like that usually than the Urukai, you know. <laughs> <laughs> so the one of the, the points that we really wanted to hammer out, I really felt personally about this, is the idea that evangelism starts where you are, right? Yeah. It, evangelism has to be an outpouring of your life. So, what what does that look like to anybody who's listening right now? And you know, we're you know cards on the table. I, neither of us are seminary trained. Neither of us are are clergy in the proper sense. But, you know, this is still something that we have to work at, right? Like we have to be evangelists. So how does someone who's just an average person get started in the idea of looking at life as a mission field? You know, ministry starts at home. Mm -hmm. We're both family men. And just like, you know, this kind of of struck me recently. Uh, it, It feels like a given of like, raising your kids in church and Christ and teaching them the Bible and stuff and praying with your family and stuff. It's like, okay, well, yeah, that's where, you know, as for me and my house, we shall serve the Lord. I think it's like, cool. But the statistics of college freshmen who no longer attend church and no longer read the Bible and no doing, you know, growing up in that, uh, make it not such a given anymore. Right. Like, oh, it's a game. Yeah, my kids. But that's, you know, well, that's not such a given. Like they, that's the long game. That's not a given really. That's, it's a miracle. It's a, it's a feat. If, if your kids stay Christian through college and hear the, all the godless worldviews for the first time and don't know what to do with it because all they knew was church was free pizza and Xbox, you know, and <laughs> cool music and fog machines or whatever. It's like, now you're talking about existentialism and transit, you know, I don't, what, what I'm going to do with this. I never faced this it before, you know, so they have a crisis of faith and, and stop going to church and frat parties are really fun. And there you go. Like I'm, I'm I might come back to this when I get married, but I'm out, you know, and whatever. So yeah, leading your children, your family, that's a huge deal if your kids right. stay Christian through their twenties. <laughs> so, and that starts when they're in, when they're two, right. you know? And so where you are, you know, and that, that's hard for me because I'm so busy and we've got the you know, family stuff, working church stuff. Like it's just, I'm so, got so much stuff going on. It's hard uh, to like, just to like have a friend to go out and hang out with and share the gospel or something, you know, it's like, I just, 
I'm getting an hour it's with the family, you know, like that's, you know, but it's like that. Okay. That's, that's good though, because right. your kids are not Christians. That's a big thing too, that I think is mm -hmm. taken for granted this age of accountability mm -hmm. issue, which I would call nonsense, which that might be a controversial statement right now to say age of accountability is nonsense, but it is because yeah. cognitive power has nothing to do with whether you're saved or not, whether you can accept Christ. Um, it's always by a sovereignty anyway. But yeah, so it's like, okay, well, that's my prayer. God, make them yours. Lead them, help us lead them in Christ and in, in, right. in you and in, in make them yours. I, I don't want my kids to conform to the the christian rules of the house i want them to want to desire to please god mm. like that i want them like that's my prayer is that my kids don't just follow my rules and do what i tell them to do but that they love god and want to please him forever and like value that and that they know the counter arguments the godless arguments and know how to respond to them right before they like this whole you lost christian your ki christian kids in college is nonsense you lost them in middle school you lost them in, in elementary school. They've just been biding their time. They've just been going to youth group because whatever. All well, That's where all their friends are. They go to college and make new friends, and they do whatever they want. They never had a desire to please God. They've conformed to the standard. They didn't love the standard, right? So that's that should be our prayer for our kids, and that's a huge thing. If, if, if you lead anyone to Christ but your kids, that's a big accomplishment. <laughs> But, yeah, yeah. And the, like like you said, that is taken for granted. It is that idea of like, well, we're a Christian house. Like, they yeah. know the word. They know that. Yeah, I mean, they they hear it. Yeah. But you know, knowing and and believing or not, that head knowledge doesn't mean anything if it doesn't become heart knowledge. Right? Yeah. They so, got all the Iwana stickers. Right. They got all the, and maybe maybe they really did love it. Like you know, then or they they just had like a uh, cognitive desire to kind of just memorize and, and accomplishment and people please and, and do that thing. But they never had, a, they never loved this. They never like were truly convicted and really saw their sin and mm -hmm. their need for a savior and, and understood that all the way through and they get to college. And again, here are these like sick, clever arguments, plausible arguments and you know, godless worldviews and don't know what to do with that. They never heard it before. Mm -hmm. So yeah, that should be how Christian parents are raising their kids. It's like, look, the world says this, the Bible says this, mm. and this is why this is true. And that's here's the only truth that exists, and that's sharing the gospel. That's evangelism, and literally making disciples. Right. Right. Part. I mean, part of that is us, you know, knowing what the world is saying too. There's there's too many Christian right. parents that are too content to isolate their house and themselves from anything going on outside of that. And so we don't know what the world's argument is, or we we don't know the finer points of uh, evolutionary thought, or we don't know the final the finer points of Mormonism or uh, Jehovah's Witness or even just secular humanism, you know, right, uh, right. Humanism. I said before that, like, it doesn't do any good to be dishonest about the person you're arguing against. You need to know honestly what they believe and right. deal with it in that in that way. Yeah. So, There's a devil. You know, be equipped. Don't just know what you believe. Yeah. Know what you believe, why you believe it, and they believe. <laughs> yeah. Well, a lot of people see their kids. A lot of Christians, families right. today see their kids. And, well, they don't smoke pot. They make straight A's. They're respectful and they're it's like that don't mean anything as far as their relationship with Christ. Like nothing. <laughs> and I, I remember I, I remember learning that in elementary school in, in like second grade, knowing this kid who's like really good kid, 
always like was polite and, and did his schoolwork and all these things. And I asked him about church or something about God. And he's like, oh, yeah, I don't really, I don't know. I don't really go to church or do anything. I was like, you're like a better kid than all the other kids. Like, <laughs> how do you not? And he was like, had no category for Christ or God or any of those things. And I did. And I was like a bad kid. And <laughs> and I was like, I don't understand any of this. You're like a way better kid than I and than all the other kids. And you don't go to church. You know, so yeah, that that doesn't have anything to do with it. Yeah. So, So, I mean, yeah, going forward, uh, try to look at it that way. First of all, evangelize your home. Uh, That's your first mission field is your home and then your neighborhood and then, you know, work, then your city. There's, there's, there's gaps all over the place where, where there's just gaping holes that are aching to be filled by something. Uh, We have the only thing that actually fills it. So we should be the ones going in and saying, Hey, this is the problem. And this is the solution. We actually have it. That was, you know, that all, that's always striking to me in the gospels. When uh, a lot of the people who were following Jesus turns away and he turns to the 12 and he asks them, are you going to leave too? And they say, where else are we going to go? You're the only one who has a way to bring eternal life. Right? I love that. Yeah. I love that too. It's like, there's just literally nothing else to go to. Right. There's not, there's, there's, we don't have this like array of, of equal options. Like yeah. this, this is it. This is just the only truth. Why would I, I'd be knowingly, willingly giving up the truth for mm-hmm. a lie. Like I'm, no one does that right. <laughs> <insane> or something. <laughs> so yeah, just remember that going forward, uh, your life is evangelism and that, you know, maybe this, this is a tangent, but I just want to get into it. Uh, we, we don't think of ourselves as slaves to Christ. And I, I don't know if we've talked about this before, but there's that distinction that in the Bible, you're never autonomous, right? You're a slave to sin or you're a slave to Christ. One right. or the other, right? Right. We need to really start thinking about ourselves as slaves to Christ. Like we're not free. We have a duty. We belong to someone. And one of the uh, – I, man, I want to say it's in Second Corinthians. It might be in First Corinthians where Paul talks about how we're being led by Christ as if in a parade. Uh, the, the the analogy that he's using is the Roman victory procession. Triumphal procession, yeah. Prisoners, yeah, in chains. It's that right. idea. Christ is leading us as those who he has conquered, and now we live for him. So right. yeah, go forward with that. <laughs> but uh, anyways – Week one evangelism. Uh, cool. If you have questions, if you have thoughts, if you have concerns, please leave them in the comments. We'll see it all. So uh, we love to interact with it. We appreciate the interaction. Everybody who watched next week, uh, discipleship phase two, after you've preached the gospel, now continue to live in the gospel. So we're going to talk about that. Uh, hopefully we'll have another video to go with it. If you haven't seen it yet, it is on our YouTube page and on the Facebook page. Uh, evangelism, start where you are. So check that out because I think it was a really good conversation. Yeah, it was but, good. Cool. Until next week, this is the time. This is the place. We'll see you guys. See you. Bye.